everybody. Thanks for listening to the So We Speak podcast. This is Cole Fakes, and we've got a couple of special episodes for you this week on on the podcast. We're going to continue to put out our regular content on Tuesday of next week. We've got a great episode on the atonement in a new book by Oliver Crisp that uh, is some really good theology and, and some good discussion. But I also wanted to take a moment and focus on what's going on with the coronavirus. And in order to do that, um, there's a ton of information available, um, and certainly I think there's really, really good information available. But I wanted to take a moment and see if we could investigate how people in our community are responding to and dealing with, and and uh, even some of the people that we know who have the coronavirus, how all of that is going. And to do that, the first guest I wanted to bring on is one of my favorite guests on the podcast. He's been on several times. I loved having the conversation a few weeks ago about faith and science. It's my brother, Carson Fakes. Carson is a pharmacist and works in Oklahoma City. And so uh, not only does he have some theoretical knowledge about what's going on, he's actually dealing on a daily basis, uh, not just with this coronavirus, but uh, with all kinds of of things that pertain to it. So Carson and I sat down and and talked a little bit about what the coronavirus is. What is COVID-19? How does it behave? How do we treat it? So we're going to be doing several shorter episodes like this uh, over the course of the next couple of weeks. I hope it's informative. I hope it's encouraging. And I hope it's something that will give you a good perspective on how our community is dealing with the coronavirus. Carson, thanks for taking time to come back onto the podcast. Of course. yeah, And I always love to have you on the podcast. Um, the first question I just wanted to ask is is a really basic question, but one that I feel like a lot of people are probably asking, and that is, what is the coronavirus? Yeah. So the coronavirus is, um, are we talking all the way basics about like what Ex- is a virus? Explain or? this to me like I'm a five-year-old. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. So just boiling it down to the basics, a virus is a very simple i mean if you look at it it kind of looks just like a like a and because of its role it's kind of like a lunar module mm-hmm. it's kind of how i think of a virus and so it's a very simple structure where you just have a protein capsule basically that it that holds a bunch of genetic material and so viruses are very simple very straight to the point but obviously as we can see something so simple and so small like compared to your average cell a virus is tiny, mm-hmm. uh, but it can have such a big impact because of just how good it is at what it does. And the uh-huh. coronavirus in particular is really good at what it does, and that's why it's causing so many problems. Um, I but mean, these are like, this is the Navy SEALs of, of yes. uh, sickness. Right. This is the big leagues. This is, uh, yeah, the Navy SEALs is a good example. So viruses survive by, they're essentially parasites. So they survive by using cells in order to survive and their main objective is to replicate so they exist to just propagate and to reproduce so the way they do that is they use they don't want to carry around all the uh, all the machinery that other cells have to carry around with them that makes them uh, bigger and clunkier in a way and so viruses are very mobile and they'll attach themselves to a cell so that's the one good one good thing that they're good at is finding cells attaching to them, and then secondly, being able to use that cell in order to put the virus's genetic material into the cell's genetic material 
so that it can use the cell then it can trick it into thinking that the cell is just doing its own thing but mm-hmm. the virus has slipped in its own dna or rna depending on the mm-hmm. kind of virus so that the cell will end up making more viruses for the virus yeah i mean it's amazing when so we we typically think of this backwards because I feel like a lot of people listening to this podcast probably didn't grow up without computers. Right. Um, and you think about, oh, well, a computer virus is a lot like a virus. It's like, well, that's why they named it a virus, because yes. there was actually the knowledge of, of medical viruses first. But if you think about it, it's exi- the name is perfect. Your computer gets rewritten with material, and then it sends that material out beyond your control that's usually hazardous or you know whatever. Right. And uh, as it spreads to more and more and more systems, the purpose of the virus is to propagate its own information. Right. That's its main objective. And so it just uses the cell to do it for the virus, basically. And so over time, as the cell starts to produce more and more viruses, uh, the viruses will eventually break out of the cell and then go and infect exponentially more cells over time so that you end up with an infection uh, from this tiny little virus, but it's hiding out in cells in your body Mm -hmm. uh, in order to complete its course of infection. So what is it about this particular virus that's different or more alarming than, say, just your average virus like the flu or something? Right. So with this one, I think a couple of things. One, just how new it is. And so with Viruses, what makes them so tricky because they really are pretty simple. And so their genetic material, I mean, they don't need, they essentially don't need to provide a lot for themselves. So in their genetic material, they can have shifts and mutations uh, that don't really affect the virus itself, but can affect how contagious it is and how well it spreads, basically. So the fact that it's new and we don't already have built up immunity to it um, apparently is concerning. And then secondly, just how contagious the virus is. I Mm -hmm. think that's the scariest part of it, um, is that it seems to be super, super contagious. And Uh there's just something about this virus in particular and the way it's replicating uh, that makes it that way. Yeah. It makes it easy to catch. So from my understanding, coronavirus is the term we're using, but that term is actually a category or a specific kind of virus. And I remember... When this the news was first breaking the first or second week of January, uh, that there was a new coronavirus that had been discovered, one of the reasons that was a big deal was because there was a set of known coronaviruses that are of this type, and now there's a new one. And like you're saying, not only do our bodies not already have knowledge, but the institutions don't really have knowledge to right. be able to combat it. What defines a coronavirus? So it's a family of viruses that will share similar characteristics. So that could be, I'm not familiar specifically with coronaviruses, but just on a general level that could refer to where they like to, what kind of cells they like to infect. And so that would result in the kind of infection they would produce. So with the coronaviruses, Mm -hmm. it's in the lungs and respiratory area. Um, So it could be that, it could be the structure of the virus and those things are often related. Mm -hmm. But it's just a grouping of viruses that, um, have similar characteristics, but the virus itself will mutate and sometimes unpredictably. And that's what happened with this new coronavirus mm-hmm. with COVID-19 is that we got this novel virus that shares characteristics of the others, but it has, it also has um, mutations or something that have made it 
kind of this breakout novel mm-hmm. thing that we haven't seen before. Yeah, so it both shares and is different than the other coronaviruses that are right. known. Uh, which, when you just read the list of the other seven, I mean, there's some pretty heavy hitters yeah. on that list of things that, you know, when you think about, uh, in past memory, what's brought about the worst um, consequences for humanity, you immediately think swine flu, you think bird flu, you think H1N1, you th- I mean, Ebola, it, it just right. comes to mind, and some of those are the same category of virus that this is. And uh, I, I've seen a lot on speculating where this came from. Obviously, we know the geographic uh, region that it came from, but, but I don't know that it's known at this point where patient zero actually was in the Wuhan yeah. province, but... Um, how would something like this have started? So because viruses kind of have to hop around because they can't survive on their own, so it's going to start in some kind of living being. And so I know there are theories about the coronavirus with um, coming from animals at certain markets in China, and that's a possibility. And so viruses can jump from animals to humans, and this can happen with newer viruses, at least to us, because when you think of immune systems and when you think of the complexity of beings, humans are the most complex. We are a fortress for viruses Uh uh, because our immunity uh, is more complex, or at least our, our systems are more complex in such a way that it's, it's kind of the big leagues for viruses. Uh And so if a virus is is good enough, then it can really cause an impact in humans. Right as well uh, because we do have medicine and we have ways to sanitize and uh, wash our hands and stuff that animals don't and so if a virus can is is good enough basically it can make the jump that's not a perfect analogy but so with that said what is it about a virus that puts us in a position of feeling pretty powerless i mean if you watch the coverage of this of course there's ways that we can try to slow down the spread of the virus, but there doesn't seem to be anything we can really do once a person contracts the virus. Right. So I, I think with that, just by the nature of a virus itself, it's hard to treat viruses. Um, so like, what's the difference between this and, and like a bacterial infection or something? Right. So in a bacterial infection, um, something that's caused by bacteria through a similar process where bacteria infect your cells, but they basically start growing there. But bacteria are different because they can survive by themselves. Uh, but because of that, that comes with a cost. Whereas the virus can be really mobile, it can change quickly. Um, because it's just so small, there's really not much to a virus. Whereas for a bacteria, it has to have a lot of equipment to survive on its own. And because of that, we're able to know the things that are common to bacteria that aren't common to human cells. Mm -hmm. And because they're separate entities, uh, we can discriminate pretty well with medication on how to find bacterial cells and destroy them. Whereas with viruses, because they like to hide out in human cells and they have to hide out in human cells, it's really hard to find viruses when you're looking at drug targets Mm -hmm. or ways to treat viral infections. So we do have some antivirals, but we have a lot more antibiotics to treat bacterial infections Mm -hmm. because bacterial infections are more predictable in that we know what targets we're looking for. Right. So with antivirals, your goal is more to slow down the infection so that your body's immune system Mm -hmm. 
can take over because the immune system in the body is ultimately the best way to fight off viruses, which can feel helpless because uh, you can't, it's not as active feeling mm-hmm. as being able to take medicine or being able to design medicine. So that's yeah. why vaccines and things have been successful with viral infections, just because once you get a viral infection, it's hard to treat other than trying to slow it down so that your body can take over. And we've had good success with this. The antiretroviral therapy for HIV infections, for example, is really successful. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if patients will take their medications every day, the rates are unbelievable for mm-hmm. control of HIV infections because our drugs have gotten that good. Mm-hmm. And because of our target on that particular virus, we've been able to develop drugs that are good at controlling it. Uh, yeah. But for viruses in general, it's just a lot more difficult to have therapy mm-hmm. uh, to treat viral infections yeah. as opposed to bacterial infections. So they can have a similar result, but bacteria are a lot easier to target and get rid of using medications than viruses are. So when you hear people talking about the response in the medical community, you hear people talking about vaccines, developing a vaccine. Obviously, there's some research that goes into making the most efficient testing process. What kinds of things should we expect from a medical standpoint in dealing with this? Right. I think a vaccine uh, is is definitely something we can expect. So the process of that, uh, there's a lot of different ways to develop vaccines. And I know there are multiple groups working on it. Mm -hmm. I'm not familiar with the specifics of of what's been looked at or what's been discovered. I know in Israel they claim to have discovered one, and um, I know other, other groups might as well. But the idea is that once you know the virus, you can try to take a part of the virus either through what's called attenuation, where you basically grow the virus in some cells and you mm-hmm. treat it in certain conditions so that it'll ultimately become harmless, but the virus stays as it is. Mm-hmm. And you can use that to make a live attenuated vaccine. You could have um, an inactivated vaccine where you actually go in and, and inactivate the virus. So you kind of take away its ability to cause disease, mm-hmm. but you can use the virus structure itself uh-huh. as a way to uh, create a vaccine so that you can prepare the body by like letting catalyst for your body's right. response. So you can let the body see the virus and develop a it response. Gets, to it gets it. the JV version of the virus. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> a practice run. Yes. <laughs> to develop the antibodies or the training uh, wheels virus. Yes. Yeah. But again, and that may be bad. I don't, want to confuse anybody it's the viruses that are used to develop a vaccine they're not actually using a virus in the vaccine Mm -hmm. uh, that could cause any sort of disease uh, from the virus itself but that's the idea Mm -hmm. is that you can use the virus without any of the disease aspects of it but then the body has a template with which to build a response because ultimately that's the most effective thing Right is the body being able to target the virus because it's a lot better at it than we are. Yeah. So what's the timetable on something like that? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, because now everything is everything is is different now. I mean, everything's fast tracked. Everything right. is first priority. And so I would I would say months for sure, as opposed to yeah a year or so. Yeah. I mean, normally with with these kind of things, you'd expect it to be a little slower. But since the entire world is focused on this. Uh, I think we could expect vaccines within months and then to have it mainstreamed, I don't know, maybe a year. It should mm-hmm. be fast. I think as fast as we can is the goal. Yeah, but a part of this, it just seems like it's a longer process than 
you, know, you just develop right. a new drug and then cure it. Um, and there's a reason that it takes a long time to develop drugs and vaccines because yeah. we do require a lot of testing. Right. Uh, we want to see how well it does. Uh, but in this case, the benefits would outweigh the risks of getting a yeah. vaccine or any other kind of treatment up as quickly as we can. Um, the last thing I'll ask is I've, I've heard a lot of differing thoughts on what the long game of something like this is for the population. Of course, you've got the UK started out by saying we're just going to allow the population to develop herd immunity. They're Mm -hmm. backtracking on that now. You have countries that have tried to slow down the curve, uh, you know, and, and, and spread out the infections. But in the long run, is this going to be something where it, it becomes a new reality once it's introduced, it's always there. I mean, is this going to be something like the chicken pox where it's just something that a lot of people are going to get all the time or maybe something like, um, you know, measles where you, just, you you have an outburst or something, but most people don't think about it because because there's a, uh, a medical solution to it. What's, what's the best guess you have as to what it's going to be like two years from now? Yeah, it's hard to say definitively just because it is also new. But as far as best guesses, I don't even know if I could. Yeah, I don't know if I could say specifically. I think I, I will say, as more and more people become exposed all over the world, it seems more likely that it's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know what that will look like. I don't know if that looks like the seasonal flu, where there's kind of a season <clears throat> every year, and what makes the flu. So seasonal is because the flu changes quite Uh a bit. And so that's why some years the vaccine that they make is good and and some years it's not as effective. It's because they have to try to plan plan in advance to see what kind of flu virus we're getting. So I don't know if it'll be as adaptable as the flu, but it does seem like the more exposure we're having all over the planet, Mm -hmm. the more likely it is to be around in some capacity. The idea is just that after this initial outbreak, when basically the population has seen it before, you're never going to have this many people exposed right. all at once right? again. And so I think that it's not, it's not the kind of thing we can know for sure, but uh, I do think that if we can mitigate this initial outbreak, that our prospects for the future look much better. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if we can keep it from from spiking so much yeah, and just exposing huge amounts of people, even more so than already are, uh, then our future prospects look pretty good. But I, I don't know if it'll be something that's very present in our lives going forward or if it'll kind of be a one-hit wonder. Yeah. And we'll have to see. But I do know that for now, uh, our prospects look best if we can minimize and mitigate the exposure uh, that we're seeing all over the world right now. Thanks for listening to the So We Speak podcast. If you like what you hear, go ahead and leave a comment, leave a review, email us, tell us what you like about it, tell us what you'd improve about it. Thanks to all you guys who are listening, and we'll see you next week on the So We Speak podcast.